0: This is the Fedora Chronicles Network. Anthony Sakovich from Aethertopia joins me, Eric King Fisk, to talk about conventions from past, present, and future, all coming up next on the Fedora Chronicles Radio Show number 88. Stay tuned. Anthony, well, hello. Anthony, tell 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 the listeners who you are and and uh, and why we ought to know who you are and and, and 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 a brief bio.
1: Wow. Okay. Um. I think I can start with that. My name is Anthony Sackovic, and uh, until recently, I was kind of an obscure member of the steampunk community. Uh, although I was kind of well known down here in the Tampa Bay area because uh, my my media company would uh, sponsor certain events and donate prizes and so on for the Tampa Bay Steampunk Society, um, what I decided to do was really get together with a lot of the, the movers and shakers down here in the steampunk community and create a new kind of steampunk event. Uh, and so about a year and a half ago, we started planning. And about eight months ago, we went ahead and announced what we were up to and that event was called Athertopia, the nomadic city of steampunk makers. And it's hard to talk about it without falling into my accent. Sorry. Uh, no, it's okay.
0: Go into <laughs> your um, accent. Do it. Do whatever uh, you got to do. That's fine.
1: Yeah. It's, um, you know, you, we just wrapped the event this last weekend, and so it was. Uh, it, it was just basically being in character all weekend. Um, no, I, I actually have a very long history. Of um, of being involved in in fan events, um, I first started back in the late nineteen eighties in Star Trek conventions. Now that was back when Gene Roddenberry was still alive. Yeah, yeah, and they were a blast because Gene kept the lawyers at bay. Yeah, uh, he he would not allow them to go after bootleggers. In 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 his paraphrased words. These are the people that kept me alive paramount when you tried to kill me.
0: That's exactly it. That's and and,
1: and yeah, and and I, I I really held on to that philosophy of of appreciating the uh what came to be known as vendors, um, at at the show. We we actually call them benefactors. We we raise yeah. them way up yep. on the social platform. Um and, uh, but that's where I started. I was, I was working with a guy out of Connecticut named Jeff Maynard. Um, Jeff ran new eye studio for many, many years. I know Jeff. And I
0: know Jeff from new eye. I wonder if he remembers me.
1: Jeff doesn't remember anyone anymore. My friend, okay. I'm afraid you lost him a couple of years ago. See, I damn. Yeah. No, he moved down here to Florida and it, it honestly is one of my greatest regrets Because he kept calling me and saying, hey, come over and see me. I said, Jeff, you know, I'm running three businesses. Right. You're retired. Come see me, Jeff. He said, I can't. I'm like, Jeff, stop it. Right, right. Okay. And I I kept giving him crap over it. And then I get the phone call from Mike and Sue at Intergalactic that Jeff had passed away.
0: Let me just interject here. Two things. Two things that are really important. Kids these days. Grandpa Fisk is going to lay down some knowledge on the kids. (laughs) <laughs> Kids do not remember what science fiction conventions were like before Gene Roddenberry passed away. I give Gene Roddenberry a lot of crap on the Fedora Chronicles in this podcast. Um, it's not so much Gene Roddenberry's fault. Gene had Gene had his faults, um, but science fiction conventions were really something to behold before the corporations took them over. Um, yeah. cr- like creation convention I don't even know if creation conventions are still around anymore yes
1: they are they are um, the, they were doing twilight conventions a little while ago I walked into one I went hang on I know you <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. and you could you can tell when the corporations started taking over conventions yep, and started because vendors rooms became the fleecing rooms where they would sell high priced crap um, and it was, everything had, every convention had to be a theme. Uh, you had your, 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 your Star Trek conventions, your Star Wars conventions, your Twilight, your X-Files, and yep. all the conventions had to have a theme. Right. And they had to be this, these big, huge monolithic, they were like the Walmart of Science fiction conventions.
1: (laughs) You are correct. last, last very true. The
0: last one I went to, I think it was in 97, 98, and Avery Brooks was so disgusted, he canceled at the last minute. So they had to get Marina Sirtis on an airplane, fly Uh her first class cross-country to do the convention in Boston. And, And I actually had a lengthy conversation with Richie Arnold and he's kind of like I, I think this is it I think this this is the end This I think this is because it was not fun anymore and, yeah. and people getting into screaming matches about um, social issues that weren't being addressed on Star Trek G- seriously? you're upset because <laughs> social issues aren't being addressed on Star Trek the next generation? you're going to ruin it for the rest of us? Are you kidding? Name name another show, another franchise science fiction show that didn't tackle social issues without hitting you over the head with it. Other than Star Trek: The Next Generation, I'll wait. I'll wait. Um, yeah. And that was and that was the end. Um, and Jeff from New Y Studio had some of the best um, uh, prop replicator stuff.
1: He, um yeah, it, it, there's some great stories there too. Um, yeah. his his props, okay, uh, especially the cast resin ones. Um, this is a wonderful story of how things used to work, okay? Um, his His props were made by a guy named Ed Myrecki. and Ed Myrecki worked out of his garage down in I don't know like Newton, Massachusetts yeah. or Worcester or something, okay? And that's where Ed worked out of. And Ed made the most gorgeous props. And then one day, Ed gets the dreaded call from Paramount Studios. Oh,
0: the cease and desist.
1: And it's like, Hi, are you Ed Marecki? He's like, Yeah, are you the one who makes the uh, Star Trek phasers? Uh, and he's looking at the area code on his caller ID. And he's like, <laughs> um, It's like, no, 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 Ed, you don't understand. This is not legal, this is the prop department. They said, Yours are so much better than the ones we're getting and you are selling them retail for one quarter of what we're paying and the and the actors are busting them left and right. Yep. Will you please make them for us? <laughs> and then it got even better. Yeah. Because he said, okay, I can do that. And then they saw his work and they said, oh, can you do this? Can you do this? And eventually they said, look, what we want you to do is we want you to do like all of our props for us. We want you to be our primary prop maker. And he said on one condition, and that is that I don't have to move. Yeah. Can I make it here and ship it? And, uh, truth if you remember the star trek episode in which um riker was trapped inside that romulan holodeck yes that romulan holodeck is a desktop model it is about two and a half feet wide and two feet tall and ed built it in massachusetts and then shipped it out by ups to (laughs) to the studios in los angeles where it was then photographed and used as the background for riker it was never any bigger than a than a, a a small refrigerator.
0: That's you awesome. Know,
1: that, that's how big it was. But that's how Ed landed the job of being the primary prop maker because he did a better job. And and that was the kind of thing we used to have such an open community back yeah, then. Yeah. Um. My my little contribution. If, if if you remember Jeff, you may remember you may remember one of his clothing lines that he had called Next Gen Active Wear. Right. They were the sweatshirt tops yeah. that looked like the next generation tops. Yeah. I I created those. No kidding. And no, that 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 was me. And we sold hundreds and hundreds of those every month. I tried to get the license from Paramount. Yeah. And and they said, Well, you need to contact Ruby Costumes because they handle the costumes. So I go to Ruby and they say, No, 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 that's a sweatshirt. You need to contact Champion. They have the sweatshirt license. <laughs> so I contact Champion and Champion says, No, 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 that's costume. We gotta talk to Ruby. So I called the law department back. I said, Look, they finally both got back to me and they said no. And the lawyer, I swear to God I think her name was Laura at the time. She said, look, these are the most beautiful things we've seen come down the pike in forever. We're not going after you. Gene won't let us. Please go make them. Yes. And we did. And the best thing about them was they weren't Lycra. No. They were they were 100% cotton sweatshirts. Yeah. No polyester. They were incredibly comfortable. They breathed. And the best part about it was they looked good on couch potatoes. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, You could take the pins off and wear it to the mall. Right, I it was remember that, that kind of clothing. That was, yeah, that, that was that a was huge our, selling our point. Introduction to the fan stuff, and Jeff had an exclusive on them, and he could never keep them in stock. Right, um, and that was awesome. We had such a beautiful relationship with him, and and that's when he 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 found out that when he had me with him, he would do exceptionally better. Yeah, uh, because I was such a Star Trek geek with a photographic memory yeah um i would i would have contests at the table and challenge people to beat me in a trivia contest and, I, and i'd offer them 50 dollars in free merchandise if they could beat me
0: and i never, I never could and i never could
1: one six three zero nine my friend yeah <laughs> the prefix code for the reliant you got to know it uh <laughs> But that has nothing to do with the event we had this last weekend.
0: Well, you know what? Because here's, can can we can we do some background history about what has yeah. gone on the past seven months?
1: Um, and and that's the thing is, uh, we announced this idea for Aethertopia back in December. Right. And the goal was to make it the biggest steampunk event in North America. And I think you That was our goal coming out of the gate.
0: Right. And. and go ahead and the the let's just also the caveat here is I have been writing articles about what's been going on in the northeast corridor yeah of the United States on what's going on with the steampunk community mm-hmm. and I had sent you a couple of of articles and you yeah. had actually had said to me Eric don't publish this I think one of the last articles that I wrote I sent it to you and because you had said something to the effect of you don't you don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be the guy who comes off as being obsessed with this one issue. And I didn't. I it's I I actually it's sitting in the archive somewhere to be brushed off later on. Um,
1: Thank you. At least somebody listens to me. No, thank you. Uh (laughs) Thank you. But, 34 years as a consultant I hope somebody listens to me. well I do <laughs> I, I listen to you but we're <laughs> no, not I appreciate that
0: so mm-hmm. in your in your estimation what okay. what has and and by the way we have the we have the explicit tag you can say whatever you want so long as it's true what's going okay. on with Northeast steampunk in the United States?
1: Um, honestly, uh, it is passe. We were talking with vendors, okay, or benefactors as we call them. Uh, we had guests who came in, uh, fans who came in who were slated to go to, uh, the Steampunk World's Fair and were, were bitterly disappointed, um, that it had ended, but everyone was a hundred percent behind ending it yeah Uh, that's that was the universal regardless it's like no this event no longer deserves to exist right Um, it it, it was founded on false premise it has uh, I I wanted to start a hashtag a hashtag not my steampunk
0: no you um, did you did you did you did start that yeah
1: you Uh, did use it (laughs) Um, but again I didn't want to get our name Involved in that because what he was doing was so far off from anything that we call steampunk down here in the southeast. I mean, it is night and day. There is, um, we have a family friendly environment. We had a 501c3 charity called Broke for Bricks contact us and ask if they could set up their Lego Playland. In our steampunk event, and the answer was resoundingly, "Of course, you can."
0: This is why you're such and a cool so, guy. This is this is and, this is why you are such a hero in well, in, in in the in the, uh, the East Coast steampunk community, I think. But anyway, well, go thank ahead.
1: You. Um, we we gave them, you know, basically, you know, four or five hundred square feet of space to set up their place for free, so that they could raise money for for their charity. And it was a it was a resounding success. Um, the people coming in, the reviews have been outstanding. Right. Um, but it but the the difference was, it was not. We weren't coming at it like a business saying, "Oh, look, there's an untapped market. Let's go exploit D- it." Yes. Yes. That was totally not it. The idea for Aethertopia came out of my going to conventions where I'd be invited to speak on, you know, steampunk and steampunk elements, of the steampunk society. And, and it, 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 I'd somehow became an expert on steampunk and doctor who, um, right. don't ask me. I never asked for the job. It just happened. <laughs> right. Um, but the, uh, uh, but the fact was every con I went to, I saw a, a group of people who were Brilliant cosplayers, absolutely brilliant at duplicating characters yeah. that were in movies and comics and manga and all these things. Um, and then I saw this other group that were steampunk, Yep, and they weren't duplicating anything. No. They were their characters. They were these, these alter egos that they walked in the door portraying. And I'm like, this is a special kind of genius. And it needs its own platform. Right. It needs to be recognized. And and, and one of our key taglines is celebrating the genius of steampunk makers. When you look at the level of creativity and ingenuity that goes into these these backpacks, these these folding wings, these um, I mean the hats yeah. with moving parts and LED lights and, and plasma things and I mean just any number of things. And then you can get into the literature and the music and the comics and all those things. I mean this is an entire genre in and of itself. And not to you know uh, uh, tread back on you know what you were saying about how things became you know far too. Uh, pigeonholed by, by the big Walmart entities, Right. okay? But these people deserved their own safe space.
0: Exactly.
1: In the universe. And so what we did was we came up with a way of not only giving them that space, but making them the center of it. So the contest we had divided the steampunk world of making into seven different maker guilds. Yeah. And geographically divided it into seven districts on the floor. And that was apparently, uh, you know, based on feedback, we've gotten an absolute rock solid hit. Because then with the contest where the, the, um, the guests went in and voted for a winner in each of the guilds. They were given seven tokens when they walked in the door. They were laser etched um, wooden coins. And uh, a lot of them did not come back to us, by the way. I just want to say that. Uh, should never Surprise. have put the Ethertopia logo on the back.
0: Surprise. Uh,
1: <laughs> um, but they uh, But they were used as voting tokens. And so anyone who had a submission, and we had over 50 submissions, um that, that were on display but they had to go through every guild and look at every submission and and the the makers as well as people who traditionally had booths were blown away by the engagement that it caused because everybody came through and asked them how did you do this why did you do this what does this mean yeah and from a maker standpoint these people were flying so high yeah uh, it was it was so rewarding for them and for me. I mean I had God, I had th- th- I'm not much on entertainment. Okay, okay. Which, which I know sounds a little funny considering, you know, the, the field we're in. But um, in actuality we we cut our cable, okay, to cable TV. Yeah, a lot in of us have, yeah. Yeah. In
0: okay? what in when? 2004. Wow, all right.
1: Yeah, 14 years we've now been without cable. We have, uh, sure, we have all your Netflix and your Hulus and all those things. But for us, it is voluntary. We decide what we're going to watch and when, and then we make an, an event out of it, and then we turn it off.
0: That's exactly what we do here at home.
1: Very good, yeah. Um, we refer to, to TV as the time vacuum.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's exactly what And, and it we is. don't have
1: one. We are about doing Right. And so so when we looked at Ethertopia, we said, "Okay, this is about making our goal is to inspire. We want to give lectures, not panels. Yeah, we want lectures on how to we want laboratories that may, may have a show how to. And we want actual workshops in which people may pay. okay, to come in and work with a professional prop maker from the movies to rebuild their Nerf guns. And we did that. A, and here's so. A,
0: here's a question for you, real quick. Yeah, go
1: ahead.
0: <laughs> How come nobody else has done this like this? The only thing that's comparable, I think, to a small extent, was Watch City. Um, but I, your approach is just so different. We'll get back to that in a little bit. Yeah. But.
1: Um, but- what we wanted to do was get away from entertainment and get towards inspiration. And I had, I, I had something happen to me on Saturday that, that almost made me cry. Okay. Cause I am so into this philosophy that, um, I saw this couple, they were walking through the seamsters guild. Okay. Which is where the clothing and costuming is. Uh, and that was packed with, with benefactors. Um, but uh they're walking through the seamsters guild and they're kind of dressed in you know your western steampunk style yeah and um the gentleman has a nerf gun tucked under his arm you know like a nerf rifle and i walked up and i said oh can i see your gun you know just to engage him and he's like no no not really i'm like excuse me at this point, I'm like, security, we may have a weapons issue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? But I could clearly recognize it as, as a regular Nerf gun. And, um, and he said, no, actually, I'm embarrassed. Wow. I said, what? And he said, I had no idea what was possible. All I did was spray paint a Nerf gun. Yeah. I am a woodworker. I turn. I, I, I make things. And I come in here now, and I see this. And now I know what I should have been doing. And his wife cut him off at that point and said, it it is taking everything I have to get him to not leave right now and go home to his workshop. Yeah. Because he can't wait to get back and start working. But I haven't seen everything yet.
0: Isn't that the way though? Isn't isn't that the way? Because this gets back to what I had said a couple of minutes ago. Whereas the conventions up until, let's say, let's say 92 conventions up until 92 was, they were all about fan activities. You would go to a convention, you'd go, they'd, they'd open the doors at maybe eight, somewhere between 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock and people would just hang out you'd have breakfast at because they, they hold these things at hotels with big huge ballrooms hotel yep. conventions and people would hang out we'd have breakfast we'd go and there'd be the exhibitions there'd be the vending rooms or the benefactor rooms as you like to call them and they would have these seminars or these talks mm-hmm. these chats and you would it, it, there's a lot of interaction and um, you'd meet a lot of interesting people and, yeah. and then afterwards you'd hang out for the after party and the after party was always informal there'd yep. always be a lot of a, a, a blast You again you'd meet some incredible people and mm-hmm. you 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 never wanted it to end and then when the corporate corporations took them over it was it was a sausage factory it was they'd move you through you they'd have these big huge productions they'd have and it was like there were there were like forty eight hour long commercials about isn't sci fi great? Here's all the great things that are coming down. Isn't isn't Star Trek great? Isn't Star Wars great? You know what was the, what were the other franchises back oh. back in the nineties? And it was oh. it was
1: all about well and and the weird thing was back then it was complete mishmash because I mean if, if you remember I mean just Jeff's booth. Yeah. Okay, you'd go in and sure, you'd have your Star Trek stuff, but then you'd have your Lost in Space stuff and you'd have it didn't really matter. Okay. Yeah. It's like Star Trek was just like because there was going to be a uh the, the main cast or the main speaker was going to be, you know, yeah. Jimmy Dewin or, you know, Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. Okay. Therefore it was a Star Trek convention. That's what made it a Star Trek convention. Right. It was across the board whatever you wanted. Yeah, and and you'd find it all there and you would find stuff that would just blow your mind that oh my god you still have this thing and some of it was real things um, w- one of my favorite stories actually uh, which I have about a billion of them right. back in those days was um, I'm working the booth and up comes this guy dressed in, in this Klingon outfit and he looked pretty darn good okay kind of a thin guy you know a little short um and he comes. I get a goatee and everything, so he's re- he, he looks the part, you know. And um and he says something, you know, about one of the pieces the Federation uniforms, okay. Yeah. And so and, and, and he knocked it. He's like, oh, Federation uniform, da da. I say hotte <laughs> ba, which is Klingon for animal, yeah. Okay. And he says, uh, it's it's uh, actually I said hotte ba, and he said it's hotte ba. And yep. I said, "Oh, you're going to lecture me on it?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he says, "Well, I wrote the dictionary." Oh. <laughs> and yeah, it was him. It was the guy who actually wrote the Klingon dictionary. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah, you got to be careful who you talk to. That was that was uh,
0: <laughs> the amazing that was that was the amazing thing whereas and yeah, especially in in uh in the in the Boston Cambridge, Massachusetts scene with yes. with Harvard and MIT you had students in their spare time they would read a book and they would read the description in a in a novel let's let's say the uniform for the galactic empire in the foundation novels they'd read they'd read they and then they'd cobble the the costume together based solely on what Isaac Asimov described it as Mm-hmm. There were a lot of people who did that. there were yeah, and it was just like, that's what conventions were back then. And then to see somebody else do something similar, this is the reason why I wanted you on the show because you're bringing conventions back to their their, their origins and why they were so fantastic And the thing yeah, is In,
1: in fact, we, we, we refuse to use the word convention right. to describe what we're doing, okay? Because this is an event. This is a steampunk event. It is an immersive steampunk event. When you walk in, you've got your – your archways on on brick pedestals that lead into each of the districts. You yeah. got a large um, uh, a large circus tent in the middle yeah. that is the Aether Pavilion, where the permanent collection is housed. The things that are made by either our guest judges or you have the um, uh, the, the the heads of the different maker guilds that right. put their stuff in. You know, I'm I'm in the head of the Explorers Guild. He's got an eight foot airship with spinning rotors and it it, it hangs in his dining. Room. Yeah. Okay. You know, but but he brought it in and it, it's on display in here. And then we had Olivier Xavier, the prop maker from um, The Secret Adventures of Jules Verne. Yeah. Uh, and many other things. He was the last makeup artist, in fact, to work on Carrie Fisher. Um, and, you, you know, he got uh, he brought some of his props and those were on display in there. You know, my own little steampunk TARDIS, right. um, clothing, and other things were all on display in that particular place. Um, you know, uh, but then we had um, it, just the districts. You know, there, there, there are gaslight street lamps yeah. on the corners. You know, we we really tried to get into the feel of it and to make it a place where those who wanted to get lost in the world of steampunk. Yeah. could do so for a whole weekend. Yep. Yep. A uh, it, it cross between an SCA event and a Renaissance Festival. Right. And and the best elements of a fan convention. You know, wh- one of the other things is there is no dealer room. Yeah. Okay? the The whole thing is a mishmash. And so you may be looking at a submission, but right next to it is somebody who sells items like it. Or the parts for items like it uh, and and it, we don't expect anybody to be good at all seven areas that would be crazy, yeah, and if you're an expert hat maker that doesn't mean you don't need to run over to milton 's emporium okay and and get your leather belt yeah, okay, because that's what you need from milton's yeah. or you need you know the flasks and stuff from 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 uh, crimson you know chain you, you, you need these things yeah and so or crimson leather um but these are th- these were all elements that we wanted to tie in together yeah and it came off pretty well we are intensely excited a lot of people cannot fathom the fact that monday morning at seven thirty a.m we were already in our first meeting for 2019 that's awesome that's we absolutely do not want to miss one bit of feedback, one bit of creativity. Um, we've had four meetings so far this week um, with with subsets of the main executive group, and we'll be having a big meeting this Saturday um, to bring everybody in and go over all the details, all the pieces, the restructuring that we're doing for next year. Yeah. Um, the the reallocation of of duties to make it run better because we had some people just talk about rising to the top and making themselves incredibly obvious yeah. where they need to be. And that is just going to reflect itself in the guest experience when they show up next year. Yeah. Uh, because there, there are a lot of things that are going to be 10x different. Yeah, and we're so excited about it.
0: I, I yeah. just, I just think that it was, again, it's this is this is just one of those things. Whereas, um, what's really been missing from nerd geek <sighs> culture events, because I, 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 you're right, you know, now, cause,
1: they, they, they've all fallen into this formula of you go in and here's a big difference okay we're here to celebrate makers yeah so we had zero professional paid entertainment at this remember my feelings on entertainment oh yeah of course yeah um instead as as one of our expert maker judges we have captain robert robert brown from abney park We flew him out from Seattle to be our judge for the weekend. Now, we could have set him up somewhere in some secret, super special place, okay, and had him just come down and wave hands, you you know, wave at the crowd and then sign autographs for 50 bucks a piece. Right. That's not what we did. Right. Robert came out with the full understanding that he was supposed to be judging these 50 entries, okay, and be visible and be accessible to human beings. And he was around the floor all weekend and people are taking selfies left and right with him. And he was there and he was part of it. And there's a beautiful picture on the Facebook page that was done by uh, the DJ, I think. Okay, it was just fantastic because everybody's in front of the, the, his sound booth, okay, doing, you, you know, this like selfie pose thing. And it's just so cool because you can spot Robert Brown and Olivier, okay, Xavier, in the audience, in the dance crowd, at the Aether Ball, you know, at 9 o'clock at night and there they are
0: that's exactly
1: they're out there being with people
0: that's exactly what uh, I've been trying to say is that there's a lack of accessibility Mm -hmm. and the thing is is
1: well people have learned how to monetize accessibility and when we saw um, Chris Eccleston do his first Doctor Who convention okay and it was like 195 pounds for an autograph or something insane like that Okay, and he didn't know. He had no idea. He's like, "Whoa, what the hell are you doing to me?" Okay, you've turned me into a jerk in my first appearance. Like, oh yeah, but you may never do another one, and so this is very rare, and so we can charge this. This shouldn't be what it's about, and and that'll never be what Aethertopia is about. You know, a lot of people didn't understand that when when they submitted to the contest. I mean, the makers understood, right? Okay, that that when they submitted their device their creation their clothing their outfit their hat to to be in the contest um they won two tickets two weekend passes okay and that was wonderful they and a guest could come in and be at their booth all weekend or wander i didn't really care what they did right okay as long as you know their stuff was there and they were there to receive a prize if they won you know, but it was up to them what they did while they were there. They just got two weekend passes to come in because they won. and but those weekend passes, okay there's a hundred you know over a hundred of them were given to these makers for free. And so therefore our ticket prices kind of had to bump up a little bit as people paid their admission, it subsidized these makers and some of these makers could not afford to come in otherwise and and they didn't deserve to be excluded when their work was simply brilliant they deserved to be there and so these other people they actually got to be patrons of the art
0: yeah that's what people forget
1: tending. yeah and th- th- and, and it,
0: that's what people that's this is this is one of these these things that that drives me crazy is that on the one hand a lot of people just don't realize that patrons or vendors whatever we're calling them today if it was not for these well, people yes actually right uh, yeah go the, ahead but the makers the the the, the yeah. suppliers um, I'm just. I'm going to use the word vendor because this is. This talks about sure. all, all the it, other conventions. Right.
1: Well. It, well, we have three categories. Okay. Okay. There's the vendors. There's the guests. Okay, who pay admission to get in. Yeah. V- vendors pay a booth fee to get in, and then there's the contestants. Yeah. Okay. Now, a vendor might be a contestant. And a contestant might actually decide to sell something from his, little, from his right. little allocated space, okay? But those are very distinct from the guests who paid admission to walk in the front door and be there. Yeah. Okay? And it's those people that specifically paid to support the art and bring these, um, these makers in so that they could display their stuff and also paid for the prizes, okay, for the best of show contest,
0: This is a rant that I think is probably what got me kicked off or suspended from a very high-profile fan forum. Yeah. We do not give enough respect. I'm not talking reverence. I'm not talking... No. I'm just talking about respect. Yep. To the craftsmen, the vendors who sell items for the fans... To keep the fandom moving,
1: you know, keep as, the fandom alive. As, as I will say to them, and I told them. Now, now, one of the things we did, okay, is is we actually have a a benefactor again. That's what we call our vendors. So, so, so we had a vendor banquet on Friday night yeah. and set up. Okay, so at, at six fifteen, they were all ushered out of the the main hall where we were setting up back into the waterfront cafe, which is you know a big white Victorian style tent sitting on a floating dock in the middle of a pond at the fairgrounds. And um, and we were all ushered out there for a, a free dinner. You know, it was a nice dinner and we sat them down and I said to them, I said, look, you know, are the fans, they kind of come and go. They can put their stuff in the closet yeah. and say, oh, okay, I'll do this again in four months. Yep. But it's it's you folks who keep this thing alive Week in, week out, you are you are either making stuff to sell, or you are finding stuff that you can sell. Yeah. You are coordinating with other you know makers so that you can sell their stuff. You are doing this week in, week out. You are what keeps steampunk alive, right. When the rest of us go back to a nine to five, and it's those. And how, it's how do we thank them for that?
0: I because I, this is one of the things that when when before Kingdom of the Crystal Skull came out. Lucasfilm started to go after a lot of the prop replica makers within the within the community. Yep. The people who are making the headpiece to the staff of Raw or 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 the, the idol from Raiders, yeah. people who yep. are making glow in the dark Shankara stones and stuff like that. And yep. Lucasfilm started to go after these people that they ignored for 20 years. or or, let's no let's stop and think from 1998 when the internet really became ubiquitous in the fan community to 2008 they couldn't care less from 97 to, to from yeah from 87 to 97 they didn't care and then when kingdom of the crystal skull was being promoted and they had they were putting the indiana jones logo on everything from Lay's potato chips to um, puffs, tissue boxes, and everything like that. Then they started to come down on the fans who are making a living by keep making the props that kept fandom alive for all of these years. And I, I kind of lost my cool. And I had said on this fan club page... This is BS. This is nonsense and some of us who are buying into it, we are part of the problem. The idea that you're going to go to the grocery store and you're going to buy a case of Lay's potato chips with Indiana Jones on the the label. So you can have them in the basement and and you and you can ration them out for the next couple of years instead of buying a bootleg prop from somebody who is getting shut down yep who's ma- who's done nothing but make props for people yeah. and these were these were the you know these were like but, Jeff from, but, from go ahead I
1: mean you know where that comes from okay and that is that in order to sell these exclusive licenses to these companies for millions and millions of dollars in royalties. They have to promise that they will crack down on bootleggers and protect the intellectual property.
0: Oh no, I understand that.
1: And that's where it comes from. It comes from this like, oh, I need to make the millions in royalty off this. And, and you, you know, but I would've thought George would've learned after Star Wars because he damn near killed Star Wars. Oh yeah. Strangling it by by holding the, the 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 intellectual property rights so tightly that um Mark Hamill was not allowed to say the words star and wars together in any public speaking engagement without written permission. Yeah. From Lucasfilms. Yeah. I mean come on give me a break. You open it up in, in information wants to be free. This stuff does better when it thrives. Right. And you can't keep strangling the plant and expect it to deliver fruit.
0: That's,
1: I Yeah, you and I are on exactly the same page. I,
0: I and I will yep. and I will and I will tell you in um back in, you know, it was I think it was was it it was either January of of two thousand eight or it was December of two thousand seven um I had uh I had a cease and desist letter <laughs> for the Fedora Chronicles it's buried oh, yeah, It's kidding. buried somewhere in the house here, or maybe maybe somebody threw it out because the Fedora Chronicles logo was infringing on the Lucasfilm logo for Indiana Jones. Yep. And I had said and and, and I in a, in a terse email I had asked, "Do you have the copyright and the trademark for for the word fedora by any chance? Did you go back in time to somewhere in the 1930s and 40s and trademark the word fedora?" And I sent them the uh, a printed a screen capture of the Wikipedia page about where the word Fedora comes from. Yeah, and the thing is, it was and I had said my entire website was about celebrating people who want to recapture a bit of the style and
1: the nostalgia. The, yeah, I the nostalgia yeah, of the thirties and forties. The, the
0: the style and essence of yeah. the era
1: the aesthetic the aesthetic
0: yes. and the thing is that it was just like at, at what point do you think that this is an Indiana Jones fan site and i and i do mention how do you you know how do you live like jones as it were and it says and, and i kind of closed out the email by saying do you want me as a friend of indiana jones in the kingdom of the crystal skull or do you want me as an enemy because I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever it is you want me to do. Yeah, pick one. Because the thing is, also realize that the more you try and shut me down, the more traffic you're sending to me and my website.
1: Yeah. Y- yeah. You know, you're... The, the you're, more you tighten your grip, the more star systems will slip through your fingers.
0: You're making me more of a badass and a rebel than I ever could.
1: Yeah. That's... And, you know, it's it's... It's great for us it's just a shame it's a crying shame that you know they, they get into these legal contracts in order to make millions okay which I I am not a wealthist okay right. in, yeah. in the fact that I will discriminate against people because they're wealthy that makes me sick right okay that, that just because you know Elon Musk is wealthy therefore he must only be looking for pul- publicity if he offers to help right. someone. Okay, I think that's I think that's garbage. Okay, judging someone by their bank account, right? But on the other hand, um, I just spent you know many many hours sitting with a, a good friend of mine from Canada, and uh, we were talking about the difference in mentality between there and here. Yeah, and I'm 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 going to jump off on this thing for just a second. No, by it all really means, is is the root source of this problem you're talking about, and that is that um, if if you have someone who has 84 cats in their house they're hoarding cats it's a mental illness yeah if you have someone who is hoarding junk in their house and they have little 18-inch walkways through everything because they have all this stuff that they're hoarding that is a mental illness but if you have someone who hoards billions of dollars that's just wonderful. No, it's not. It's a mental illness.
0: It's almost the same thing.
1: Yes, you know, and and we don't think of it that way. But he's he's from Canada, and so he can think a little bit more. He, he, he's more mentally liberated, okay, than we are here because we buy into this crap. And because we have to do this, we have to win. We have to have higher numbers for next quarter or else our stock prices are going to drop and we're going to lose our jobs and we're going to die. And da, 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 da. we run with this constant state of stress and tension. You have these lawyers who work for these studios who who have these production companies that sign these deals. And so all this chain of events just keeps going on and creating this stranglehold on creativity in this country. Yeah. I, 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 I had a program called Ask Mr. Media. Yep. Okay, and and what it was was um, I, I I have a digital marketing agency, and so I, I these little segments, of questions that came in, you know, how do I have this for my business, you know, that kind of thing, and bang, I get a cease and desist order, because some guy has copyrighted Mister Media, M R period M E D I A. Well, I'm ask Mr. Mister M I S T E R Media or yeah. or the other way around, whatever. Okay, it was, yeah. it was ten years ago, you know, and I'm like. This isn't even an infringement. And why don't you, since I'm like doing 10 times the volume you are and have ever done in in viewers and everything, let me go ahead and just put a link to your site on my site in case anybody gets confused. Watch, you'll get more traffic than ever. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm just going to shut you down. Yeah. Because I have a lawyer who can do it. And I'm like, you know what? You're a moron. You're a moron. You're clutching. Yeah. At 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 a dying model, and we need to open this thing up. We need to make it happen. And if we have to go out and around the edges, then by God, that's what we'll do. Yeah. But we really need to open up the the fan market. We need to make it accessible. We need to we need to make it respectful of the artists, especially the artists that first created right. it. I'm not real big on fan fiction. No. I'll say that right now.
0: Oh, you and, okay? you and me both. You and me both.
1: Okay. I mean, it's like, look, don't don't take this person's character and turn them into a monster. Okay, turn them against something that that, that is really against what they came out and said. Right. I say that, and honestly, I've done that with something, but it's it's it's. It's good. Uh, <laughs> uh, as you know, we also produce um, the number one ranked steampunk adventure on iTunes. Yep. Okay. We have the Omega Contingent that comes out of our studio, and um, season three is is pretty amazing. Season two um, is is in the can and needs to be edited, um, but that's going to be that's going to be pretty cool when that one comes out. But um, but I'm talking about. You know the kind of fan fiction that is that is blatantly disrespectful, right? Okay, I'm 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 not real big on that. I mean, like you want to tell a story, tell your own story, okay? Don't don't turn Twilight into Fifty Shades of Grey. That ain't right, okay? Uh. Uh, that ain't right. And so, what what I want to do is the definition of the word appreciate is not grateful, right? It is to recognize the value of something and we need to appreciate the artists, okay? We need to appreciate the ones who make it originally and the ones who pay homage to it through their own creations, uh, and those who who take it even 10 steps further and, and use it as a jumping off point for a career like Ed Myrecchi did with Star Trek. Right. Uh, you, you know, and, and let's, let's get together and feel good together about these things. Right. And, Worry about Big Brother watching us, and the fact that you know the studios are going to be coming down on us. And I think that may be part of why I gravitated towards steampunk,
0: because you can't trademark it, even though somebody tried.
1: <laughs> um, but I mean, not not the word per se. <gasps> me, but but the the creativity. Like I said, nobody's pretending to be somebody. Yeah. Except their own creation, and that's just. Totally awesome, as far as I'm concerned, uh, and and that's really what what we want to recognize. And it's it's a shame we have to go to that level of creativity in order to have a free market where we can recognize it in our own way without getting shut down by something stupid. Yeah. Um, but but that's that's what we've done, and that's what we will do, and that's what we will stand for. Um, as 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 one of our reviewers said, you know, you have made a haven for the makers.
0: And that's what that's what's been desperately needed in all of in all of fandom, and yeah. the fact that you did it for steampunk is with with the year that we've had so far. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to perseverate over this because and I've and here's and I, this is another reason why I wanted to have you on the show is because I've written three articles describing what I think is really wrong with steampunk and all of retro punk as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. whereas it is it's being taken over by people who are trying to monetize it for their own uses, for their own yeah. for their own bottom line of their bank account, for the, for their own black ink. And mm-hmm. I, I to see somebody turn this around and say, no, this this here's an event. We're going to make as little money off of this as as possible, you know, and celebrate yeah. the people who actually create stuff I think that that's amazing, and it was. I think that that's a business model that I, I hope that you you can run with, and um, and do something I've been
1: told with it. I can. Uh, <laughs> um, and you know, one of the things that is really making it possible is um, having the the cooperation. Okay, of my number one you know partner in life, which is my wife, um, and she is a hundred percent behind this and will probably end up being 100% in front of it yeah. Um, yeah. and yeah I mean there's just she has a skill set that is phenomenal and my skill set is probably better served elsewhere within this event yeah. than trying to be you know the CEO of this thing and so there will be a lot of improvements uh, between now and, you know, 360 days from now when the next one goes off. And I use that roughly, okay? It'll be, you know, what what we're hoping to do is lock in the same weekend every year um, because, you know, granted, it's, it's summer in Florida, but it's an indoor event. Right. And honestly, you know, you can talk all you want, but it's really hard to have an event here in Florida at any time of year because the weather is so volatile all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, we we have a um, uh, a sister event that we work with that is a Victorian steampunk Christmas down here, and you know sometimes it's eighty degrees out and it's miserable. <laughs> yeah. And this last year it was pure Dickensian London. Um, it was forty three degrees and raining, and it was horrible. And you just can't do that.
0: You just can't uh,
1: no, and and, you and can't prepare that's for the it. range you have here that you have to plan for. So having indoor events is primo. The thing about Ethertopia is we need a massive uninterrupted indoor floor space to build a city. And the the one we have is, you know, 52,000 square feet and it's 45 feet high. So we have not only the center tent but hanging above the center tent is a huge projection screen, a two-way projection screen. So that we have stuff going on in the air over it the whole time as well. So the, the whole thing has, has a completely different look and feel from anything anybody's ever done. And the fact that I, – I mean I don't know if anybody's ever tried this, done this. I've heard they have great immersive events up in Wisconsin. Uh, I've also heard that Wisconsin doesn't actually exist, that it's fake news. I don't know. Um that was a joke. The uh, thank you canned laughter. Uh, uh, no, really, we had that joke going around around the event. They do something like this in Wisconsin. Yeah, well, Wisconsin doesn't actually exist, you know. Right.
0: Uh, it's it's, so, it's like when those those uh, people who uh, are talking about uh, the, the the moon landing was faked, and I kind of laughed yeah, at them. and said, exactly. "You you still believe in the moon?" <laughs> 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 Just to get at them. I think oh, that's
1: awesome. Uh,
0: put a pin in this and i'm going to say what i what i would really like for you and i to do later on okay and um i want to just ask you really quickly mm-hmm. what's the future of is there a future in steampunk and then we'll and then we'll we'll pick this up on another okay. show
1: okay so you, do you want me to answer that
0: yeah of course
1: okay uh, my answer is is way beyond absolutely um more. there will be a need for individuation in individuals and steampunk beyond any other fan concept gives people the ability to not just hearken back to an era when everything was custom made but to be in a lifestyle where everything you have can now still be custom-made and you can stand out and be your own person and I don't think there will ever be a loss of that market and the more mass produced we become the more we will have a need for something like steampunk
0: i hear you i hear you and with that awesome sauce thanks for coming on um and you're gonna have to come on the show again real soon
1: oh you know i will all right you take care all right thanks have a great day eric all right
0: This has been the Fedora Chronicles radio show and a co-production of the Diesel Punk Podcast. You can find out more about us by going to our websites, thefedorachronicles.com and dieselpunks.com. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. You can find these links on our homepages. Be sure to visit our sponsors, Chester Cordite, Landrin Artifacts, and the Trinity Whip Company. Also, check out the friends of our show, Penman Hats and Reconstructing History. Once again, this is Eric Render King Fisk, signing off, and keep your chins up and your fedoras on.